What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Legends of Athletics podcast. Of course, me and Dr. Davis are back, <laughs> back in action. It's been, man, it's been a while. Seems like it's been too long. What it do, um, baby? And we got another one, another one in DJ Khaled's voice. Another <laughs> great episode for you. Um, of course, man, we're just going to let it flow as usual. I mean, we ain't, we ain't no strangers to, to, to each other. So, I mean... I ain't gonna make it real, you know. Uh, I don't know what's the word, real structured, but it's gonna be structured, but not very structured. But I mean, we're gonna talk about some prevalent subjects. Um, and, you know, before that, we're just gonna, you know, just kick it. Yeah, man. So, yeah, man. Um, recently, uh, I think you guys, I can't remember if it's been an episode or two episodes ago, I did with Dr. Davis. <laughs> well, we talked about uh, our high school days and, of course, <laughs> If any of you been listening, <laughs> you can kind of pick up on we graduated in the same class at the same time. Right. And um, this past weekend marked ten years of, uh, of being out of high school, man. So we had a ten year reunion. Ooh-wee. Now, within that ten year reunion, some of us flaked on on the others. <laughs> they don't call no names. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, we had a good time. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I definitely, I man, I, I definitely had to miss that. I had some business to handle here in New Orleans, bro. But you know, y'all look good, man. Everybody look old, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, some people, everybody ain't able. You know, everybody ain't got the, you know, what I'm saying the, the huge uh, obligations. You know, where, <laughs> you know, you just skip town and do what you got to do. Uh, <laughs> but no, nah, man. Overall, though, the, the reunion. Hey, was yo, hold, hold on, bro. Let me say, hey. Kelsey Stovall, hey, you a fool, boy. I heard, I heard about what's going on, man. You a fool, man. <laughs> hey, Stovall, Stovall is a city shaker. Kelsey, for real. Kelsey you a fool, boy. What up? <laughs> but uh, I mean, overall, man, the reunion was pretty nice. I mean, I ain't gonna lie, it was pretty nice. It was cool seeing everybody. Uh, for the most part, I think we had like uh, we had a good portion of our class back. Of course, I think it was like. Curtis, you can correct me if I'm wrong because I really can't remember the exact number. I think it was like 400 of us graduated. Right, right, right. 400 plus, 400 plus. Yeah. Um. So I mean, we had a good number there. It probably, I, I, I'm thinking it may have been like a hundred and something, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty decent for me, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, especially mm-hmm. a ten year reunion, getting everybody together. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's pretty nice seeing some people. Of course, Scholar, Chad, Bean, right, D um, Heard, right, right. Um, Claire, right, uh, Aaron, mm. uh, Wesley, Hazel, <laughs> uh, Bill Dixon. I can go down the line. There's been a lot of people that's just nice. For, uh, for, linking up for those uh, of y'all, so for those of y'all listening, because everybody is not familiar, you know, while we're naming these names, one of the cool things is that you know, unfortunately, we had some classmates who passed, you know, sort of during high school or shortly after, but a majority yeah. of us are still alive and still, you know. Still yeah, kicking man. it, man. Still kicking it. And uh, it. and for the most part, man, I mean, our class look look pretty good, man. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, I can't say that for everybody, but <laughs> but for, <laughs> for the most part, uh, everybody still look like they alive and well and doing good for themselves. And some people that may have strayed away, uh, have cleaned themselves <laughs> up. <laughs> hey yo. <laughs> And so, hey, we uh, I can't knock nobody, but you know, uh, right. everybody like they doing pretty good. So I mean, it was straight. Uh, we right. had a good time kicking it for the weekend. 
you know, mm-hmm. partying at the class union, then, you know, uh, going hard at the at the after party, you know, so right. you know, everybody's right. still, still young and able to do like, the bounce back is not as real as it once was, but uh, mm-hmm. but it's still able to happen, right? Nonetheless. Um, right, so with that, I mean, for today, we're gonna talk about I know uh, it's kind of died down within the media now. And it's kind of uh, died down a little bit as far as some conversations on social media as well. But um, I thought a good topic for me and Dr. Davis to cover, and we have discussed it, um, was when they see us. Um, some of you are familiar with the Netflix mini docuseries mm-hmm. um, of the movie describing the uh, events of the Central Park Five. Mm-hmm. Um, if you aren't familiar with it, if you, I, I would prefer, I would advise that you go and read up the backstory and then mm-hmm. watch the movie more mm-hmm. so than watching the movie and then looking at the backstory. But that's the way I do a lot of stuff in my head. Cause I like to know, um, a little bit of the, the ins and outs of everything before watching the movie. Cause most times movies leave out parts, mm-hmm. um, within this mini series, uh, on Netflix, they did a great job of, getting all the parts and portions of what happened to these guys, these, uh, these young, young teens at the time that they um, were accused of a rape crime that they did not commit and um, how certain words and terminology was used against them. And the fact that within the, our community um, and and maybe other uh, minority communities where we need to, know the laws and know how the system should go in order to protect ourselves. Um, And, you know, that's just the backstory that I can give you guys on uh, when they see us. Now, Mm -hmm. this podcast is not going to be primarily talking about the movie or the case uh, per se. We will talk about it, but we're also going to turn it, turn it around and uh, talk about it in a sense of how it, uh, affects us as a right. as a community as African Americans, Black Americans, um, Hispanics, Latina, um, so have you because uh the guys affected were not just African Americans, but um, mm-hmm. you know, they came from different backgrounds as well. Um mm-hmm. of course you guys know that this this podcast, let me preface by saying this podcast is health and wellness. And um this case and what we're talking about uh it affects um, us in a in a form of our mental health. Um, right. So it, it does have relevance to what this podcast is about. I wanted to put that out there so nobody right. thinks that it's just going completely left field. Um, <laughs> and that's what that's my synopsis um, of of my brief briefing um, before jumping into the meat of it. Curtis, uh, Doctor David, did you have anything to add to that? Um, no, nah, man, you did. You summarized it perfectly, man. The um, I think that, you know, the movie, believe it or not, I, I think a lot of us know that, you know, America incarcerates people more than any other country in the world. And we do it. We incarcerate people of color uh, more than anyone uh, or people of color are incarcerated more than anyone in the country. The manner in which those people are incarcerated it varies. And, you know, a lot of times there are 
Um, there's malpractice issues. There are people just rushing. There are people trying to make a quota. And in that, you have people who just experience, you know, a terrible amount of trauma. And uh, there are a lot of disparities associated with that. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think the movie, I think the movie or the docuseries just sort of highlights just, just one one case um, mm-hmm. about the things that, that sort of that happen in the country. Um and as it relates to the justice system, you know, one thing I'm thinking about right now, something that's going on, I think, in Mississippi with Curtis Flowers. Uh, he's been tried seven times for murder. And, like, they've, like, the jury um, the jury was mishandled and some more things. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, it's, 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 it's rough. And it's a lot to unpack. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and the trauma of it, um, of course, Dr. Davis... Um, or you know, I'm gonna just call my boy Kurt. We gonna talk. Yeah, about, just call um, me Kurt, bro. We just we just gonna talk uh, because this is a, a it's a serious topic. But you know, he studied uh, trauma um, to an extent, and its effects mm-hmm. on uh, on on us as human beings. But um, I guess I go into one one of the questions I had is how did seeing the movie or studying the case affect you? Like, what was your what was your your emotions? What were your thoughts as you looked into this this thing? Yeah, man. So I have not seen it, and I don't plan on seeing it because mm-hmm. I just because I just engage with this experience and with this material so much. I've heard of the Central Park Five. Um, mm-hmm. I I just have not seen this movie or this dramatization. What I did do was stream it. So Ava. DuVernay could get her streams and all of that, but I haven't <laughs> yeah. seen it, man. Um, yeah. You know, so I i mean, I have a family member who worked as a uh, probation officer. I won't say what type of, you know, what type, but this family mm-hmm. member was a probation officer for most of my life. And with that, when I got into social work, I did youth court. I did forensic interviewing. I did, uh, I was an investigator at a federal public defender's office. So I've been in these settings and I'm intimate um, with these settings. I'm familiar with them. And the one thing that I've seen is just how taxing it is for people. And, you know, I know some people are out there and I'm going to shut that shit down right now. There are some people who say, well, why does it matter what people in jail experience? They're supposed to be punished. You know, we get Mm -hmm. into the argument of whether the incarceration experience is supposed to be rehabilitative or punitive. We could do that. But what I want to say is that, a couple of things that people should know about the justice system and the incarceration experience is that, believe it or not, not everyone whom is incarcerated is guilty. And then um, the second thing is that, um, you know, those whom are incarcerated are more than likely going to get out. So with that comes this thing of, you know, serving your time, but not exceeding that and making sure the punishment fits the crime. And then um, I think we all have to be aware of what's going on in the justice system and, and mm-hmm. what people are experiencing because it's costly. Um, reintegration is expensive. Recidivism is expensive. But um, yeah, these are things to focus on. But, you know, my reaction to it is that, you know, I'm glad people are seeing it. And I just hope that it, um, I hope awareness continues. I'm glad that it gave a voice to a lot of people who uh, who are experiencing this, people who are incarcerated mm-hmm. and their families. I think that... Um, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I say that, you know, when you think about when they see us, the thing that, that we saw in 
you know, the thing that's being showed in that documentary series is not so much the traumatic incarceration experience, but what happens before and after that. This is a long process. You know, the moment you get arrested or mm-hmm. to find out that you've been indicted, that's traumatic. And then to go through trial, to to be sentenced, that's that that is a traumatic experience for mm-hmm. most people. And then, you know, you do your time and you get out and you have to deal with the stigma and reintegration. So exactly. know, those are just a few of my reactions to it, man. And I mean, I even think about, uh, you know, when they see us as one that is popular and hot right now, I think because of the series, of, of course, and I think because of the, um, I, I don't want to say social media backing of it, mm-hmm. but um, I also think about stories like Khalif Browder, right, um, right. Who, who was incarcerated um I think it was two years um, mm-hmm. before even going to trial on Rikers mm-hmm. Island. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, this man got out of jail and, you know, committed suicide um, not long after getting out because uh, trying to reintegrate into society and not, you know, not having a lot of success. The thing mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of people about is, you know, it's easy to judge people who go to jail. And I'm not saying everybody that goes is innocent. I'm not saying everybody right. goes is guilty. It's that whatever, right. but we also have to think about these people are human. Um, right. You think about if I took I, if I took a person off the street and stripped them of everything, locked them up for a year, two, three plus, um, let you out of jail, and then tell <clears throat> you get back into society with limited rights and uh and resources of what you can yeah. do. And yeah. tell you to be successful. I mean, you don't really have a chance to make a success story out of that. And right. I don't know if many people know this about me, but I have a family member. I'm not going to say what the relation, because right. I'm going to put all that out there. But I have a family member who has been incarcerated a lot um, mm-hmm. over my lifespan from the time of me being nine. And now I'm 29, so it's 20 years in and out of the system. And mm-hmm. People don't understand, like, I understand to an extent, but people don't really understand, like, once you're in the system, how it basically shapes you to come back to the system consistently, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, because, no, I don't say that selling drugs and things like that, I don't condone it or whatever, but right. in certain situations, I, I have to look at it from a broad scope and say, well, how many choices did you really have in your situation? You know what I'm saying? Right. Or right. what were the options uh, within that situation? And, mm-hmm. you know, some people, uh, you know, from a young age, you know, they make mistakes, but we cannot. I think one thing about the justice system that I kind of don't agree <laughs> with is that we can't hope, make the mistake of making that person hold that mistake the rest of their lives until adulthood you know mm. like sometimes i've seen people do a crime where our counterparts may get off with it but we don't necessarily get off with it and it's something that, that sticks with you the rest of your life you know right. and that's not it's not really fair and that's kind of uh uh traumatizing i guess you would say right because if you think on it it's like i really never had a fair shot you know right and right. because I made one wrong choice, 
right. it's affecting everything around me for the rest of my life because you got to think about it. If you choose to date someone, you choose to have a family, have kids, this person mm-hmm. has to know what happens because mm-hmm. you basically need to know that we have limits on what we can do from mm-hmm. here on out. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of what, what I think about with it. And I know that's uh, um, – that- that that's a good point, man. That's a good point, man. Um, and I mean, it, it affects everybody. I mean, from the mom to the siblings to everybody. I mean, everybody gets affected by it because, yeah, you know, when when you take this person out the equation, you yeah. know, it 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 relationships are different. The way you view people are different, um, and it's just it it has a a huge huge effect because I know like with the person I'm talking about, like for the majority of my life. I've seen them behind bars. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> in my head, like outside the bars, it's kind of like awkward. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And you have to like build a different relationship <clears throat> with the person than when they are incarcerated. You see what I'm saying? And so yeah. uh, it definitely has a huge effect. And for me, I know in certain situations, I think um, between growing up not having a lot of money or growing up poor, and mm. then going through that, um, mm. I think it kind of made me um, angry and resentful mm. and bitter. Mm. And so that's what rolled, like, that's what bred a lot of the um, lashing out or the mm. short fuse and, and things like that. Mm. And being able to cut people off and all that stuff because of, you know, experiencing that stuff while growing up and trying to grow up and be a normal kid at the same time. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, man, it, it's those are all good points, man. I appreciate you sharing it, and I just think that, um, you know, I'm not gonna go to like hotel with it, but I think that mm-hmm. when they see us and this discussion, it really just makes you sort of, it should make you question the system that we have. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 what what has been put in place to support this system, you know. And examples are all around us. You know, I know when Alabama passed that crazy, um, you know, that abortion, the that abortion, abortion law. Law, when they were trying to pass it, what happened was, see, I, you know, I wasn't surprised that Pamela was trying to do something like that, but the manner in which they did it was something that really, really surprised me. Like, man, like when they were on the floor about the vote, bro, they just slid it under there. They slid it under there yeah. real slick. And they were like, any, you know, we're, House bill, da 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 da. Um, all the polls say nay, and bro, they tried to do that in like forty seconds. This yeah, is a this quick. is a life changing decision in forty seconds. It almost went under the radar. So mm-hmm. the way that these bills and these laws are passed are just very interesting. A lot of them are used to oppress and subjugate people, and that mm-hmm. lends that goes to like you know the you know the justice system and incarceration system. And I had one client, he was getting out of prison early. And um, he had to register as a sex offender. But the issue with that was that the law that he was found guilty, it was a statutory offense, which means that he was about two years older than uh, the victim or the mm. alleged victim. And, uh, you know, he got he was found guilty of that. It was uh, um, and he, he was going to have to register as a sex offender. But the law uh, under which he was found guilty didn't even exist anymore. So we were like, yo. What what's what's the deal with this? How do we navigate this? So um, yeah, man, it's 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 tough, man. It's yeah, it's tough. And it's I mean, tough. And I, I I think that's the thing too. Like, um, you know, with the justice system, we can't get so wrapped up into 
and I, I don't I don't want that to sound like uh, you know the term Uncle Tom, but you can't get so wrapped <laughs> up into um well they just trying to oppress me or they just trying mm. to hold me down. I mean, I'll be honest with you, for the most part, for the most part, if you obey the law and you kind of aware of your surroundings and aware of the law and what your mm. rights and rights are and are not, then mm. I think that you can kind of save yourself some time and energy in certain situations. Mm-hmm. Um, that also goes to not necessarily saying in depth, but also educating your kids on what to do, not to do, what, you know, what, I don't really know how to put it into words, but what, you know, the laws are and, mm. you know, how to navigate through it. Um, right. Per se. Yeah, um, man. Yeah, man. That's some, that's some interesting stuff, man. That's so, I mean, I get, that, that brings me to my next, the next thing is, well, how do people see us? How do they see us um, in our community? How do they see us as a community? Um, I'll let you, I'll let you, dive into that first um and then i i kind of back back man so i mean in thinking about that question i can say that i don't know um and i can say that you know this is my critique of when they see us um you know the title in the movie it's like oh my gosh this is so um this is so terrible i can't believe this is happening let me write about it that's so bad. I hope things change and then they move, then people shift. So mm-hmm. yeah, you see me, but like there's no ch- no change is happening. It's very like you're being a voyeur. You're being very like voyeuristic. Like I don't like so what? Like I, I'm looking for there, I'm looking for change to happen. That's just me. Yes. But like how I, people see me, bro, I I don't know, man. This question comes up a lot and it's more the question of whether of what to call me. Curtis, Dr. Mm-hmm. Curtis, da 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 da. Um, I, I always respond with, you know, just don't call me. <laughs> there are certain things that I don't want to be called that are just very flagrant and that I don't think any black person or black male would want to be called. But outside boy, of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, boy, you know, boy, nigga, Bubba. I, I'm, I'm cool, bro. Don't call me that. But outside of yeah. that, um. You know, I'm, I'm, you call me whatever, because the thing yeah. is, is that, you know, I'm not naive to the fact that you call me one thing in front of my face when you go home and get in your car, um, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So it's probably something else. That's, yeah. But how, how people see us, I don't know, man, based yeah. off of what people have presented and what people have told me, um, I think that they see me or how they see us is someone who's positive, someone who has achieved things. Um, But the irony in that is that I had to do all this shit just for you to see me and listen to me. Like the whole, like the whole rub, (laughs) the whole rub with the PhD is that you have to get the PhD just for people to listen to you. I'm not saying anything that different than like rappers or like my peers are saying. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I think about it, man. What about you, man? I mean, that's the thing, like, I, I, I agree with you that it has to be something grand in order for you to get recognition. And it mm-hmm. has to be grand on the right scale. Um, mm-hmm. I think as a community of people, uh, we are looked at separately. 
Um, mm. I think the have nots are gathered or grouped into one, and the haves are mm. grouped into another. Um, mm-hmm. And when I say have and have nots, I'm, talk- I'm not talking about money, but I'm talking about money, sure. education, social right. status, etc. Um, right. I think that for the most part, if you are um, a hard worker, like mm-hmm. or if you are a blue collar worker, um, you're looked at as below and some somebody that's expendable um, mm-hmm. to other people. And I think that mm-hmm. if you are white collar, you are looked at as an automatic success story. And right. it's kind of like what you said. You kind of looked at it as a success story because of everything that you have to do in order to get to that point. Yeah. Um, it's not a fair road. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not an easy road, but yeah. that's the reality. Um, I was having a conversation with someone, I think it was about a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we were talking about college. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's one of our questions. I, I think I, I delve into that next. Right. Um, and we were talking about, you know, some of the things that, you know, you had to do, mm-hmm. um, things that were recognized, and I'm being very general right now because we're going to dig mm-hmm. into this later. But um, and how, you know, how to navigate through it, why so many of us go and aren't successful, what right. makes others successful, um, how do you how do you find yourself, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so many things like that. And so I just feel like as a person, I feel like people look at me kind of same thing as you were saying, uh, like positive, you know, a hard worker, always smiling, good attitude. Um, mm-hmm. somebody who is driven and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make the most out of the list, out of the least. Um, right. So I think that's the way that people kind of see me. So, um, you know, that's, that that brings up something else. Did How was life going to, me and you both attended PWIs. PWIs, for those who don't know, uh, stands for um, Predominantly White Institution. So, yeah. um you went to Ole Miss. I went to Mississippi right. State. Right. Um, how was life going to a PWI? Uh, oh. Man. For me, oh, my gosh. So, I went to Ole Miss. I went to University of Alabama. And then I went to Tulane University. So, bro, like, people have told me, like, my resume and, like, my CV, when people get it, they like skip the qualifications and everything. And they're just like, Oh, you you're you're an SEC man. How about yeah. oh Crimson Crimson Tide? Da, 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 da. So I went to 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 two two schools that were associated with football, um, and one school that is associated with Mardi Gras. Um <laughs> straight up, man. They yeah. refer to Tulane as the Harvard of the South. I didn't know that. Um, I don't know, bruh. Uh I I've been going to Ole Miss since I was like 12, um, going to football games. So I've been familiar with Ole Miss for a long time. Um, it, it it was just, it was something to where being black and identifying as black or African-American, you just knew that like, there weren't that many of you. You knew that everybody knew each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you knew that spaces were few and far in between that would include you. Like, I think the biggest thing was um, having, you know, a space at the union every Wednesday for, uh, like, for people to come together. And the thing is, there were only two things associated with blackness that was 
uh, if you were in a black Greek letter organization or if you were in the black student union. Those are the only two things. Outside of that, you know, you kind of didn't get seen. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know, dog. I don't know. Um, I don't know because you and I both grew up in the South, which is very interesting. We grew up in Mississippi, so yeah, thinking about <laughs> it in terms of race, man, we just sort of, we sort of, we just, we just sort of knew what was up, man. I yeah. knew that, like, you know, in every single, every single, well, Bama, while I was there, no one of of name was there, but. Bro, at all Miss, while I was there, um, man, there was some governor, governor grandsons there, mm-hmm. and you know, some 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 families with some money, and then yep. here Tulane, bro. <clears throat> I mean, there are people, white people, come from very very like affluent families. They tell mm-hmm. you, there's one, there's one, there. I think there's a Coke, there's a Coke, um, Coke child here, the Coke brothers who invest in put money into like businesses into the Republican party. Like there's yeah. a Coke child here. So I just knew that there was a lot of money, a lot of resources that, you know, for me, it was about getting in, getting the work done um, and, and, and getting out. Uh, yeah. I will tell you, and I don't mind sharing it with Tulane. I was actually paid essentially like my tuition was waived and I got a stipend to go to school. So I was paid to go to school and my joke, yeah. and I still might do it is, you know, to take all this wonderful PWI education and go teach at a historically black college or university. Mm-hmm. So that's how that's how it was, man. That's how yeah. it was. It was it was a lot of being aware that you were black and then just being aware that yeah, you were I, in these spaces. That's it. Yeah, and I think uh like one of the things you said that was uh very true is like we grew up here in Mississippi. So a lot of things I think I don't I guess being immune is the uh term that kind of comes to mind. Uh, yeah. and being aware of what to do, what not to do, kind of like the unwritten rules, so uh-huh. to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 and to, I, like, you know, this brings up a good point, bro. Like, mm-hmm. and to think about, you know, this idea of health and wellness and being legendary, you got to think about what that looks like at a PWI. Because, you know, at Ole Miss, I was there right when um Obama got elected. And, you know, right. these mugs, you know, they, they having riots, quote unquote, <laughs> some of the... Some little white boys put a noose around James Meredith. James Meredith was the first uh, African-American, African-American student to student, be admitted. Yeah. And they put a noose around his neck. So when you think about, you know, being, and I, I know they were white because it's in the indictment. Y'all can look it up. I'm not, yeah. I'm not you know, <laughs> y'all, y'all can look it up, man. These are facts. But, um, you know, you think about what that's like and being legendary. What does being legendary look like? While being black at a PWI, while these mugs are riding, you're just trying to get to the library. You're trying to go to the gym, right. get a good workout. You know, weave through you, it all. And not not to not to make light of Charleston, but you know these mugs carrying uh, tiki torches and everything, bro. You know, <laughs> and 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 I'm about yeah. to be real. I'm gonna be graphic, and I'm gonna just be. I'm gonna paint a picture of how it was, bro. When you think about these PWIs and these and how you navigate it, you find out. Like, you know, the little frat boys, I remember them boys chanting. Uh, I remember those boys chanting, saying, um, this was during Rush. For all mm-hmm. y'all that are familiar with Rush, and they were like, you know, no means yes. Yes means anal. So for them to chant that, hearing that, they, hey, man, they don't they don't really care about their women. So yeah. how do you think they feel about black women and women? Like, it was it was wild, bro, now that yeah. I think about it. So I mean, I'm sorry, bro. I just had to share that. No, nah, it's all good. I mean, I do. I I was there at uh at state at the time. Right. At the uh, 
that Obama was elected. And I mean, the vibes on campus, it was just all <clears throat> odd, man. And yeah, like, yeah. People that you know you may have thought you were cool with before, like right. after that, it was just different. And um, <laughs> dude, it's just like you said, man. Just navigating your way from class or trying to get to class, trying to get to the gym, trying to get to the union, trying to get to the calf, and you know what I'm saying. You had these microaggressions, people saying what they want to say to you. You know what I'm saying, and this stuff <clears> like. In Mississippi, like, I'm just be real with y'all. Like, some stuff is said and you take it as a grain of salt. Some stuff is said, mm. and you know, if the situation presents itself, like, you're going to be the example. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I just, I do remember that time. And I also remember, like, um, life at the P, like, we talking about life at the PWI. I also remember, um, you know, being in class. And, you know, this is what I was talking to somebody else about. I was, like, being in class and I'm studying my butt off to accomplish a goal of passing the test so I can pass right. the class get done right. with it. And I right. remember my counterparts, uh, you know, my my white, my uh, Caucasian brothers and sisters, um, being <laughs> able to go out and, you know what I'm saying, basically party on a yeah, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday night, come in, toast it, um, or waste it, whatever, whatever term you choose to use, yeah. and acing the test, and then come to find <laughs> out uh, a year or so later, it's all just a game. Um, yeah, man. because they got the test, or maybe the professor rushed in their fraternity or their sorority, and they got test banks, and hey, you know, what I'm saying? it's basically <laughs> just, you know, it's basically just helping one another, and <laughs> you know, it makes it pisses you off, but you, I mean, you can only be pissed to a certain extent because that's where we have to have people like you, like other uh, other professors out there, other doctors out there who are on these campuses that are able to help. Uh, yeah, man. Our, our people as well, and yeah. that's not saying to take the work out of uh, getting a getting a degree, yeah. But to help uh, level the playing field so that everybody, you know, what I'm saying, has equal opportunity or some yeah. way. Um, yeah, man. And I do remember that as well. Also, like you know, I just remember coming in. I think when I was at Mississippi State, it was like seventeen, maybe eighteen percent black african-american um mm-hmm. of students there and like you said like mm-hmm. you made the point earlier we all knew each other and yeah. I remember like the higher i went up the the longer i was there the less of the people that i knew or the friends that i made my freshman mm-hmm. year the less of them that i saw or seen right. and it was so many times where they just didn't make it because you know maybe they didn't have the 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 intelligence or the intellect to completed and i'm not in school list for everybody but you know i'm just saying that you know maybe they didn't have the intellect to figure out how to navigate through things uh maybe Mm. they didn't have the resources um you know a lot of times you know it comes up as a money issue or you know you just can't Mm. afford it you know Mm -hmm. and you know i i do remember going to school and i was in a black greek letter organization um of course when i was in an an undergrad and i had the privilege also of um moving up the ranks and being the president of the national panhellenic council aka the npac which is the that's how you do it that's how you do it i ain't know that man yeah man uh i I had that privilege and uh i ain't know honest man I ain't that, know the cues. I ain't know the cues knew how to be president, man. Yeah, I know how to right, bro. I know how to right. But uh, but you know uh, that time, man, it just opened my eyes so much because I was able 
to see within other right. Greek letter organizations, uh, right. within the Interfraternity Council, within the Panhellenic Council, um, able to see how they did things and able to see, also see those microaggressions play out uh, in front of me. Um, yeah. Because I remember, and I, I'll say this and we'll mo- keep it moving. I remember one summer I was at Mississippi State and um, some friends of a white Greek letter organization, they asked me to play basketball on a basketball team. So of course I know <laughs> I know it's a stereotypical whatever, but <laughs> I was like I was like all right cool man I'll play whatever of course I played travel baseball growing up so I was used to being like the only black kid with a bunch of white white kids right. that was cool like it it didn't make me uncomfortable right. um, so I remember we were playing one night playing an intramurals game and uh, one of the guys caught the ball and he was running running up the court. Um, I ain't gonna say what organization he was with, um, uh, because they are known for being um man, KAs, the KAs, I say it. I say it, man. <laughs> I say so, it. So we were playing and uh that's exactly which one it was. And so we were <laughs> and um Hey, hey, I hey, I, five, I, huh? hey, Jay, th- this is this is a basketball uh euphemism and uh a when they see us euphemism. Don't worry, but I take the charge for you, bro. I see it. <laughs> Don't worry about it, man. <laughs> so we out there playing, and I fouled the dude, and I, like, pushed him in the back. I barely even pushed the dude. So immediately he looked back and sees me, and he starts, like, going off. Right. So, of course, I stand my ground. I'm like, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It ain't bothering me. So then after that, like, the rest of them come. So I'm like, all right. So at this point, you know, I done just went crazy. I'm like. If I got to fight all of y'all, <laughs> that's what's going to happen <laughs> before I leave this gym. And mm-hmm. somebody ain't going to make it out. And it, it, it's gonna be, it, it ain't going to be me. I mean, right. it's just me. And right. so um, in that situation, I look back and turn to the dudes that invited me to play. Mm-hmm. And it was more so one of those things where they were like, hey, man, it's all good. Chill. Don't let that bother you. Hey, we with you. <laughs> we don't. And then, like, once the situation calmed down, couple dudes like man why were you so mad we don't understand this and that whatever and that's kind of when I was like you know what man (laughs) we live in this world where we are basically looked at and I don't think people really take the time to understand us as people Mm. and being at a PWI there are countless situations I can tell you about Mm -hmm. but um, this is the reality. Like the things I've mm-hmm. shared with y'all, the things that Curtis has shared with y'all is the reality. Like I know a lot of times when kids graduate from high school, the night they graduate, everybody's all happy and excited. And for a lot of black kids, you go to college as being a first generation student. Um, right. And so your parents and grandparents and things like that just quite honestly don't know what to tell you. And right. it's mm. very exciting. But for those that choose to go to a PWI, because that's what I can speak on. I've never been to an HBCU. But, right. you know, for a PWI, just know that you have to put your best foot forward on a right. regular and consistent basis. And I think because of that, it makes us stronger when it's over. I know a lot of kids, right. like some kids that go to HBCUs, they, they not kids that go to PWIs because it's like you're not being yourself, you're being fake, blase, blase. But like we didn't have trailblazers to go to these places so that we wouldn't go later. Like I'm not mm. knocking PWIs because the education is great, but mm. you just have to know what you're getting yourself into as you go there. 
um, yeah. that, that brings up next thing, like facing microaggressions at yeah. schools or at work. I mean, I just spoke of one, but you also have to look at two, and I'll just go briefly into saying this. Like, whenever you're at these PWIs or you go to your place of work in a professional realm, I know I'm speaking for me. I can't speak for Curtis. But there are microaggressions that happen. And people mm. do look at you in some situations, some cases, like, you shouldn't be here. You should not be mm. in this group. Who mm. who invited you? How did you get here? Mm. Uh, things like that. And you have to work mm. your way to get to these positions of power where you mm. can be an influencer to help make decisions that affect your community that help make decisions that affect your job, the, the way that people look at you. And right. I think a lot of times, uh, and that this is an unpopular opinion, but us as black slash African-American people, um, because of our religious background, sometimes it makes us very docile and it makes mm. us very um, watered down because we always want to say things are going to be okay. Don't worry yeah. about it. Uh, brush it off. Don't let that get to you. But and there are times where you have to let stuff go and just brush it off. But there are right. times where you have to stand up for yourself in a mm. professional and ethical way in mm-hmm. order to get your point across. It's not all about being loud and crazy, but right. being strategic and cerebral. So, right. you know, um, that's that's some of the things I, talk, I, I, I think when I think of like the microaggressions, because I mean, I have them at work even to this day. And I've also had them right. going to a PWI, but I think going to a PWI prepared me for those things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I say, man, a lot of people talk about, you know, a lot of people present this argument of PWI versus HBCU. And mm-hmm. man, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna say a lot in the short time, man. One, I think we often assume that everyone understands the concept of race and that everyone knows race in the context of America. And a lot of people don't, man. A lot of people don't know the history of where they live and where they're from. These same people, these same people, whether at a PWI or an HBCU, are acting woke and had no idea that the high school that they were going to was named after a white Confederate soldier. Like, there are certain things that we have to, that we need to know and revisit as it relates to history. Um, The second thing, that I would say about all of that is that, man, I tell people wherever you are to, you know, find your space. And it, even if you can't find that space at your university, you are free to look for it outside of your university. You should be able to find it on your campus. But man, if you can't find it, go outward. I learned that being at Tulane. For those who don't know, Tulane is in New Orleans. New Orleans is a black city. I don't care what you heard, what you've seen. Um, New Orleans is a black city. It's black, black, black. Um, and it's nurturing two people of color. So my thing when I tell students, particularly um, students who aren't white, is that, yo, if you can't find your space here, let me show you who is in the community for you to go to to find that safe haven. Exactly. Another thing that I'll say, you know, as it relates to this whole thing of HBCUs and PWIs, and this came up during my research. It's a real good quote, and I like it. I was talking to her, and she said, all skin folk ain't kin folk. And I tell people because I'm, you know, I I critique and I do it fairly. I try to do it fairly. I say, you know, just because you are at an HBCU does not mean that you're not racist and that you don't experience or that you don't perpetuate racism or this idea of whiteness. So that, you know, we, 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 we talk about these things and I just like to have that honest and considerate dialogue. Um, And, you know, what I'll say is that 
you know, thinking about microaggressions, there's a funny story and there's an unfunny story. I was thinking earlier about Ole Miss and how um, <laughs> one of the first things I saw was somebody um, like freak the um, like freak the water bottle, but instead of water, it was vodka. <laughs> and I was like, yo, y'all are wild. I'm like, man, she is sipping that water. Um, but it was vodka. And I was like, yo, the privilege that comes with this. Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a... <laughs> I'm working with some students right now at Tulane. Um, there are uh, eight students of color, four from New Orleans, four from California. And um, believe it or not, they had never gone to Cafe Du Monde. That's where you go get your beignets and everything. It's open 24-7. It's in the mm-hmm. French Quarter. So we went. And, um, man, we're sitting there eating. And this woman, is um, she's looking at us. And I know what it looks like. It's a group of young uh, children of color, you know, they're different hairstyles. Everybody looks good, looks vibrant. She says, you know, who are y'all with? Y'all are so beautiful. Da, 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 da. And I told her who we were and everything and where we come from. And she was like, oh, you know, that's so great. Um, da, 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 da. It almost felt as if she was like sort of, it, it was like this admiration, but it felt like mm-hmm. we were in a zoo. Felt like we were in a zoo a little bit. And I think something that's to something watch. that comes up yeah, man, I think that's something that comes up at PWIs, and I think some would call that a microaggression. And you know, for those who aren't familiar, microaggressions are these things that they're subtle. These are subtleties that are very aggressive. They come off as soft, but they're really hard. It's someone saying, oh, I didn't mean to do this, therefore, you shouldn't feel the way. And with microaggressions, we always focus on the intent versus the impact. I didn't intend to hurt your feelings when I put that noose around your neck like that's a real that's a real big exaggeration but you know it's like mm-hmm. um hey uh hey janet you know i like i see what you did with your hair i really wish you would uh i really wish your hair would be in a perm as opposed to an afro like that that's a or an afro like that's a that's an issue but yeah. um but yeah man i i agree with everything you said it's microaggressions happen um and I think one of the beauties in combating microaggressions is when you sort of stand up for yourself. I just did it this week, and it feels great. And I did it professionally, and I knew I do a good. I knew I did a good job when I stood up for myself because people um, didn't respond quickly to my emails. They had to sit with it for a second and ponder what I was talking <laughs> about. So, like, if they would have responded to it quickly, I would have been like, "Fam, you need to read this." But like, I knew that they had to take pause. So, yeah, man, yeah, man, that's what I got. Oh yeah, no. um, I don't know. I guess we man, we we given a, a ton, a ton of information, and we didn't get to all the right. questions. But right. um, I don't want to overload y'all with <sighs> with the uh with the topic. Um, I guess from this point, what we could do, we'll just wrap it up. Um, yeah. is one professional health tip for the listeners out there after this great episode. Are you you giving a health tip, dog? Yeah, I get one. My, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my health tip would be brush your tongue, man. Brush your oh, tongue because yeah, yeah, you man. can't be out here getting people straight with the stank breath because they will come <laughs> back on. They will come back on you. So br- <laughs> make sure you brushing that tongue and uh and rinsing your mouth out. But also on a serious tip, what I would be guys study. Study the the uh, the source of some 
you know, people still read those, but uh, expand your vocabulary that you are able to give people your opinion in an educated way uh, with first and second grade turn to break it down to that level. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> man. I think I think some of us, those are good, man. Some of mine would be practice calling in instead of calling out. No one likes to be embarrassed. And if you want progress to happen, it may happen a little bit faster if you call someone in and sort of like work with them. Because if you call them out and embarrass them, they might not fool with you. And then yeah. they may not be progressive. The second thing, yo, there's this, there's this, it, this is kind of old now because social media moves in light years, but like, it's a thing where certain people don't wash their legs. I thought everybody washed their legs. So make sure you wash <laughs> your you? legs. <laughs> yeah, everybody, man, everybody just, it's, it's something else I saw where people believe that uh, swimming in the pool uh, is taking a bath. Uh, so, no. um, <laughs> and Skylar, and Skylar, I I know you don't do this, but if you debate me on this dog, I'm gonna flame you. I'm just letting you know right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> that shit is not cool. Put some soap on your damn body, man. Right, and wash your <laughs> legs, man. Yeah, Come on, man. dog, wash your legs. Yeah, man. But uh, <laughs> man, I think that's all I got. You got anything else to add? That's it, bro. I'm gonna go for an afternoon walk and make sure I drink this gallon of water, man. That's yeah, all I'm I got, to- bro. I'm about to go exercise myself. But, y'all, as usual, yeah. man, um, I think this podcast, for the most part, I think the sound should be better. I think the sound quality is a lot better. Uh, if it ain't, y'all let me know. Um, make sure that you go follow the social media, uh, Legends of Athletics on Insta- uh, Instagram, Legends of Athletics 19, Legends of Athletics on Facebook, Legends of Ath on Twitter. Uh, Curtis, give me your Instagram name again. Yeah, it's it's Magnolia Kurt. M-A-G-N-O-L-I-A-C-U-R-T. I changed it from Trap Scholar Kurt because I got tired of explaining what trap is. So Okay, I got Magnolia you. Kurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's probably a lot simpler too. Uh, <laughs> y'all uh y'all go give him a follow. Guys, make sure we got shirts and we got uh wristbands and all that junk for sale. Um with Legend of Athletics. Um and as usual, make sure you get one percent better each and every day, and do the things that legends do. Don't take no shortcuts in life, and don't try to cheat the grind. Um, until next time, be legendary. What it do, baby? That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs>